Greetings in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Welcome to the Power Hour. This is the point where, after the singing, the discussions and the chatting in the audience, we get to hear the word of the Lord. Two months we've been talking about relationships. For those who are here, maybe for the first time, in the month of January, we focused on the individual. This month, we are focusing on the relationship. Uh, Pastor Henry has uh, started, uh, started us off at the beginning of this month, and we are continuing. He came up with this idea that I thought was beautiful, that you can compliment somebody with an E or with an I. When you compliment somebody with an I, you are talking about how they look, what you give them, things you can touch and feel. But when you compliment them with an E, it's who you are in the relationship that matters the most. Did I capture that thought correctly? My man. And so you compliment me is about the relationship and how it can get better. Now, you guys know at this point that uh, I preach from a place of uh, reality where we all are. Uh, I try my best to interweave my thoughts with what the word of God is saying. But ultimately, I want you to hear what God is saying. Uh, somebody saw the title of my sermon today and they're like, Pastor, are you talking about my marriage? Uh, I don't have anything up on the screen. Are you talking about my marriage? Because my sermon today is God lessons from a bad marriage. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not talking about your marriage. I know you think your marriage is bad, but I know a marriage that's way worse than that. So as I'm speaking, don't feel uncomfortable thinking, oh, no, he's talking about us. I don't know you, but I know of a really bad marriage. Go to your Bibles. We're going to go straight into it. Open your Bibles to the book of Hosea. I wrestled with this. How do we get lessons on marriage from the book of Hosea? Are we going to do it today? Hosea chapter 1. Hosea chapter 1. I'm going to read from verse number 2 all the way down to the end. Hosea chapter 1, verse number 2 to verse 11. The Bible says, reading from the New Living Translation, when the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, go and marry a prostitute. Does it get any worse than that? So that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. Apparently, it does. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. And so Hosea married Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. And the Lord said, name the child Jezreel, for I am about to punish King Jehu's dynasty to avenge the murders he committed at Jezreel. In fact, I will bring an end to Israel's independence. I will break its military power in the Jezreel Valley. Soon, Gomer became pregnant again and gave birth to a daughter. And the Lord said to Hosea, name your daughter lo Ruhama, lo Ruhama, which means not loved. For I will no longer show love to the people of Israel or forgive them. But I will show love to the people of Judah. 
I will be, I will free them from their enemies, not with weapons and armies or horses or chariots, but by my power as the Lord their God. Verse number eight, after Goma had weaned Lo Ruhamah, she again became pregnant and gave birth to a second son. And the Lord said, name him Lo Ami, not my people. For Israel is not my people, and I am not their God. Yet the time will come when Israel's people will be like the sands of the seashore, too many to count. Then at the place where they were told, you are not my people, it will be said, you are the children of the living God. And finally, verse number 11. Then the people of Judah and Israel will unite together. They will choose one leader for themselves and they will return from exile together. What a day that will be, the day of Jezreel, when God will again plant his people in his land. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we have come to hear a word. Speak, we are listening. Amen. The message today is God lessons from a bad marriage. It's obvious that the marriage is that of the prophet Hosea when God called him to marry a prostitute. Now there's debate as to uh, when did she become a prostitute? Did he meet her when she was already a prostitute or did she become a prostitute after? I'm of the school that she was already a prostitute because that's what the Bible says. So I'm not here to debate the arguments of the scholars, but the point is people are so uncomfortable with the idea that God told this man to marry a Hosea without the Zaya. You'll get it later. God called this man to marry a woman of the street. And so some theologians are uncomfortable with it because we are so conservative. We think that God is. But God does strange things in order to teach a lesson. There's a passage in the book of Ezekiel, Pastor Henry, where God wants to demonstrate the captivity of Israel. And so he says to Ezekiel, I want you to lie down and face a pile of human feces for 40 days. And then Ezekiel is like, God, that's way too much. And so God is like, fine, let's put some cow manure so, so for 40 days, God calls Ezekiel to lie down facing this BS, demonstrating the captivity of people. Meaning that sometimes God will speak his word, sometimes he'll demonstrate it. De Hosea has been called not just to preach, but to demonstrate the love of God. Now you're thinking, is this the example of marriage we should get into? Uh, no. No, if you came to hear that, this is not that kind of a sermon. In fact, knowing myself, I'm going to provide a couple of disclaimers. The relationship between God and his people from Genesis to Revelation is illustrated in different ways. Sometimes God presents himself as the king because he is the kingdom builder. He is the God who presented us with the kingdom of love and the kingdom of grace. He is our king. We are his subjects. Another way that God illustrates himself in the Bible is as a father. He presents himself as a provider, protector, uh, somebody who's there to provide boundaries for you. He is our heavenly father. When Jesus taught the disciples to pray, he taught them to say, our father who art in heaven. But he also presents himself as a shepherd who is out there looking for the one lost sheep to come back into the fold. 
A shepherd is compassionate, he's loving, he's available, he's caring, he's everything you need in God. But in the book of Hosea, there's a shift because here God illustrates his relationship with his people, not as a king, not as a shepherd, not as a, as a father, but as a husband. In fact, to be clear, he introduces himself as a groom. You do understand that there's a difference between a wife and a bride. There's a difference between a husband and a groom. I'll tell you. The groom and the husband are the two people that stood in front of the church and said what they said and they meant it. They were smiling. A husband is the dude who watches the wedding video in reverse just to see the wife walk out again. He's tired, he's exhausted, he's ready to give up, but a bride is optimistic, she's excited, she's thinking about all the recipes she's going to cook for him for the rest of their life. The husband is thinking, I'm going to take out the trash, I'm going to do the dishes, I'm going to change the diapers. That's a groom. That's a bride. So God says, I am the groom, you are the bride. Let's go back to how it was. Let's not focus on how it is, because husbands and wives suck but grooms and brides are awesome. Disclaimer. The story of Hosea and Goma is not about love conquering all. It's about God conquering all. God is not demonstrating that you can get into any relationship and just cross your fingers and hope for the best. God is not telling Israel, do as the preacher has done. Go marry a prostitute. No, God is trying to demonstrate redemptive love. I hope that you get what I'm about to say because it resonated with me. God has not called you, my brother, my sister, to have redemptive love. He has called you to have sacrificial love. What is the difference? I am not here to save my wife. I am here to serve her. God has not called you to save people. He has called you to serve them. So when you get into a relationship telling yourself that I'm going to be God to this person... You're going to need God yourself. Amen, somebody? And so God is telling us through the story that his love, he's, he's a powerful God. Maybe this one didn't work. Let me try another one. God wanted Hosea as a prophet to experience heartbreak by demonstrating what God's people were putting him through. Not that God wants you to experience heartbreak. With those disclaimers out of the way, let's get into the word this morning. In the passage of scripture I read, I read the name of three children. And when you follow the names that God told Hosea to give to the children, you see a story of a bad marriage playing out. I can imagine one day the man of God is praying like most men of God pray when they're single. Lord, I need a wife. One day God comes to Hosea and says, dude, I got you a wife. And Hosea thinks to himself, can she sing? Can she tell children's stories? Can she lead out the worship? Is she a good greeter at the back of the church? God is like, she is very accommodating for sure. Is she the kind of person I can introduce to my family? Is she a member of the church? And God said, one day she will be. And so God says to him, go to the red light district. And Hosea is thinking, is she a missionary? Is she ministering to these women? And God says, no, she's one of them. Now, the text tells us nothing about Hosea's reaction because apparently a dude was okay with it. 
Or maybe he was just obedient. I don't know. But Hosea takes this woman from the street. Can you imagine the pastor coming up to the church and saying, ladies and gentlemen, this is the future shepherdess of the flock of God. It was uncomfortable. Now the text is very silent, but we can infer from the context that this was meant to be an, unex an uncomfortable experience for Hosea. Because God was trying to say, this is what it's like for me. Go and marry a prostitute so that she will give you children conceived in prostitution. Do you understand what God is saying? You're going to marry this prostitute and every single child you have is not going to be yours. How would you feel if God gave you a book that said, this is what the next 10 years of your marriage is going to look like? He's going to gamble all the money away on online gambling. She's going to run every credit card that you have down. The kids are going to reject you. Everything is going to fall apart. Now go forth and multiply. This is exactly what God does to Hosea. But I thank the Lord this is not what he does to you. And just because Hosea married a prostitute doesn't mean you have to either. I don't mean a prostitute in the sense that she's selling her body, but I mean in the sense that the person is selling themselves. The Bible says in Hosea chapter 2 that the reason she was in that life is because she wanted food and drink and clothing, Pastor Henry. She wanted the silk and the wool garments in Hosea chapter 2. She wanted the nice things of life, so she was willing to give her body in order to get the stuff. Now, I know you're listening to this and thinking, wait, what's this got to do with us? We're not selling our bodies. Huh. According to God, we are. The first child's name was Jezreel, and Jezreel means God sows, but the proper translation is God scatters. God scatters. What does that mean? When you sow seed, when you sow seed, you cast it out onto the ground. Are you with me? Because when God cast something when God scatters it doesn't go wasted when God's rain comes down it produces something when trees are planted they produce something everything that God puts out into the world brings something back but with human beings when we scatter we waste so when the Bible says that God would scatter, what the Bible is saying is that because of their disobedience, God would take the people out of the Israel and scatter them to other lands. It sounds negative, but understand that when God scatters, there's always a remnant that comes back. That's the original context of the text. God is going to allow the enemies to come and scatter the people away. But with us, when we scatter in relationships, we squander the love that our partner gives us. We squander the resources. Your partner works hard for what you have, but you spend it. She's there loving and nurturing and there for you, but you keep treating her like she's not important. You keep throwing it away. And so we see the first sign of a bad marriage is when you take what your partner's given, but instead of returning it tenfold, you reduce it in value. Here's what happens in marriages. A lot of people scatter nothing, but they expect something to come back. A lot of people scatter a little bit, but they expect a lot to come back. And so they ask the question, how come I cook for him once a month, but he doesn't like to eat at home? Maybe it's because you cook once a month. I'm not saying you got to cook for your husband. I'm not about to get myself canceled at the beginning of the sermon. I know what generation I'm in. Besides, my brother, if she can't cook, don't force her to cook for you. 
when God scatters, he preserves its value. And so God understood if I leave these people where they are, it's not going to work out. I need to send them out. They need to depend on me. In fact, the text says God would take their independence. Sometimes in relationships, God scatters. Sometimes when you get comfortable with your life, everybody's career is good. All of a sudden, cancer comes knocking. All of a sudden, a child is born, but he has a disability. All of a sudden, a relative dies. Something happens that scatters. And you see it as God cursing you. But what God is trying to say, I need this relationship to start depending on me. I need this couple to stop depending on their careers, their jobs, their businesses, their power, their influence, and their presence. I want them to depend on me. So if you feel scattered this morning, I want you to know that God is trying to humble you. When you lose your job, it means you get to spend more time with the family. When the business fails and all your pretentious friends have disappeared, now you can turn back to your spouse. God is scattering. There are children in here who are so dependent on their parents' money and power and influence. God will scatter so that you turn to him. Amen, somebody. So scattering is a process that God uses to bring you back. But unfortunately, when we do it, we are pushing the person away. So that's the first child, Jezreel. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 38, there's a, there's a passage of scripture that I've wrestled with for a long time, trying to understand what it meant. But now that I live in 2023, it makes a whole lot more sense. God said, Christ said to the disciples, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man comes again. In those days before the flood, the people were, here it is, enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. Now, I'm thinking to myself, what's wrong with the banquet? What's wrong with the party? And what is wrong with the wedding? But in the generation that we live in, it's easy to understand what God has a problem with here. We are quick to celebrate marriages. We are quick to celebrate the wedding, but we never think about what's going to come next. So people are just getting married and married and married. We keep posting these pictures and we keep trying to outdo ourselves. We keep wanting to scatter our children. Get married. You're old enough. It doesn't matter. Just pick somebody. Get married. We are scattering our children. We are scattering ourselves, but nothing is coming back. In fact, the rate of people unmarrying is becoming faster than people getting married. If you go to the court right now, the line of people getting divorced is longer than the people getting married. What happened? We are scattering, but nothing is coming back. Amen. And so, Hosea has a second child with this woman. I'm sorry. This woman has a second child. And God says, call her Lo Ruhamah, which means no peace, no mercy, no love. Raise your hand if you want peace, not problems, always. Raise your hand. Now, do you notice human nature? I said raise your hand and you guys went halfway. Why do you go halfway? Is it because you know that you are the source of no peace? Raise your hand if you want peace. Do you know what it takes? Put your, put your hands down. Do you know what it takes to not have peace? When you take away love, 
When you take away mercy, no peace. Do you know what a bad marriage looks like? A bad marriage is, I will show love to everybody else but you. I will not tolerate any mistakes you make. My employee can mess up a 5 billion rupiah account, but if you go and buy shoes worth 1 million, I will divorce you. I will tolerate my brother or sister's kids, but I will not tolerate my own children. I will praise them for what they've done good, but I will not praise my own children. Are you guys with me? I will encourage somebody else's children, but not my own. In fact, I will look at my kids and say to them, why can't you be like so-and-so's child? No love, no mercy. What happens is no peace. I told you last week, a no-peace home is when the husband sits at the door. He sits in his car for 30 minutes asking himself, is it worth it for me to go inside? No peace. For those who are married, we have a solution. I'm going to give it to you at the end. But for those who are not, I want to talk to you right now. Goma gives birth to a child and she calls the child, the daughter, Lo Ruhama, not loved, no mercy, no peace. And God says, for I will no longer show love to the people of Israel. Now, please pay attention to the words because you might be thinking that God said he wouldn't love them. That's not what God said. God said, I won't show love. I'll keep loving you, but I won't show it. And when you don't show love, what usually happens is that people begin to move away from each other. Right now, you think I'm talking about Goma and Hosea, but I'm, I've, I've come into your house. I'm at the door. I'm knocking. Please let me in. Because when you stop showing love, you are leading to a place of no peace. In fact, I always tell people, in fact, I read this, that the most dangerous thing in the world is a quiet wife. A quiet wife who watches you act the fool. One day you will wake up and you'll have nothing to your name. Because you thought she was peaceful, but inside was a storm. So I want you to appreciate that kakakaka wife because at least you know what she's thinking about. Ladies, if he says nothing, sometimes that's a good thing. Because when he says something, it means he has given up. I'm not a psychologist. Let's keep going. No peace statements. I'm talking to the people who are not married yet. What I'm about to show you are what I call no peace statements. You are setting yourself up to be unhappy. Statement number one. Are you sure you want to spend the rest of your life with this person? Pastor, no one is perfect. You can't see me? Let me stand up here. No one's perfect. We're all sinners. That's what you said on the pulpit, right? Yes, I said it. We all need Jesus, right? Yep, I said it. But here's the problem. Some people's imperfections are not good enough to build you. They will break you down. There are some imperfections that you cannot compliment you with an E. There are some imperfections that will cause more harm than good. Remember, we are here to love sacrificially, not redemptively. Happy Sabbath, Sister Maria. It is good to see you. Welcome. God has called us to love sacrificially, but he did not call you to sacrifice yourself for somebody else. No peace statement number two. All relationships have problems. Yes, it's very true. In fact, some of the things I say on the pulpit make me have problems when I get home. Because I have verbal diarrhea and I don't think about what I'm about to say and my wife reminds me. Right? 
But when you tell yourself that I'm going to be with this person regardless of the problems they bring me, what you don't understand is that some problems are not meant for you. You don't have the capacity to handle what this person is throwing at you. Because when somebody comes into your life, you are dealing with the fact that, first of all, they are different gender, they have a different background, different culture, different upbringing, different trauma, different hopes, different dreams, and keep going and going. What marriage is, is a discovery of trauma, hopes, and dreams, beliefs, virtues, values, and you keep learning these things about the person. But when they have problems that are so big that you don't have time to be yourself, all you're doing is dealing with their problems. But God did call Hosea to deal with this woman's problem. Statement number two, it's what I want. And this is a part where parents, pastors, and friends stop saying anything. Because it's what you want. Peace cannot be kept by force. It can only be achieved by understanding. Every married person in the room understands this very clearly. You can force your partner to go on that vacation, but there'll be no peace. You can force them to move to a neighborhood they don't want to move to, but there will be no peace. You can force a parenting style on your partner, there will be no peace. In fact, you can force them to come and worship at JCC, but there will be no peace. Because peace is not a result of force, it's a result of understanding. Honey, I don't understand why you want to come to this hippie church where the pastor's wearing Jordans, they've got drums, but I love you and I understand. You see what I just did there? That is understanding. Understanding does not mean agreement, it means listening. Last, last, last Saturday, we had a, an awesome afternoon discussion. In fact, I enjoyed that discussion more than I did preaching the sermon. Okay, because the ladies, I'm not going to say who, the ladies were asking the question, what does submission mean? And where do we draw the line? If you want to know what my thoughts are, come join us this afternoon. Let's go to the next thought. And so the third child's name was Lo Ami, not my people, not my baby. This woman had three children that were not his, which means that each and every time she gave birth, she had been sleeping with other men for money so she could buy Gucci and all those other brands I don't know. She was sleeping with these men and because there were no uh, contraceptive tools back then, she got pregnant. And with these prostitutes' children from the street, God turns to Hosea, his preacher, and says to him, these are the names I want you to give to these children. No peace, scatter, and now, not my people, not my baby. There are too, too many marriages where two people are together, they are seated together, maybe they sleep on the same bed, maybe they eat at the same table. That's not a thing that people do these days, where you eat together as a family, right? They're doing all those things, but deep down inside, you know she's no longer your baby. She's no longer your boo, your bae. She's no longer the person that makes your heart skip a beat. Now when you get a text, your heart skips a beat, but not positively. In fact, you get stressed when you think about them. No longer your baby. 
You can't even discuss something as simple as how do we clear the credit card statement? How do we deal with our children's issues? You can't talk about anything because you don't see them as your baby. God says, you are no longer my people. You don't do so you're no longer my people anymore. She again became pregnant and gave birth to a second son, and they called him Lo-Ami. Has anybody ever heard this expression? The grass is always green on the other side. It's, 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 it's so old and common. What it basically means is, when you're standing in your yard, apartment people may not get this, but when you're standing in your yard and you look next door, the grass always looks greener next door than it does in your own home. But do you understand that there's a psychology and a science as to why the grass looks greener next door than it does in your home. I'm about to break it down. When you're standing on your grass or your lawn, you are looking at it at a 90 degree angle. So what you are seeing are stones and dirt and some grass is tall and some grass is short. And so you're like, this is not good enough. But when you look at your neighbor's lawn, you're looking at it at a 30 to 45 degree angle. So you're seeing the blades and the sun is hitting them and everything is shining and looks good. So when you look at other people's marriages, you see them holding hands, immediately you assume they're happy. But you don't understand. He's holding her hand so she doesn't wander off and go shopping. It's not love. He's trying to constrain her. When she holds his hand, she's trying to show other women his mind back off. Don't assume people are happy because they're posting relationship pictures every single day. I, I felt the pressure. I felt the pressure. I went to my wife and I said, babe, why did we decide not to celebrate Valentine's? Everybody's got beautiful pictures. Even Pastor Henry. <laughs> Pastor Henry had a beautiful Valentine's. I'm like, we got to do something. I'm sorry, Pastor. This is what I'm talking about, man. When I start talking, stuff just comes out. You know what I mean? Look. We all suffer from this syndrome. We all look at other relationships and we think to ourselves, why can't you be like this? Why can't you be like that? But I'm here to tell you, most of the time, it's not grass. It's fake plastic. It's makeup and expensive clothing and shoes and watches. It's not real. Even poor people have fake relationships. It's not real. So what I want you to do, go buy a lawnmower, buy some fertilizer, Start mowing your lawn. Start making sure that it, it grows right. Appreciate it. Appreciate her. I mean, appreciate it. Right? Take care of the lawn. Sometimes cook for it. I mean, pour water on it. Right? Take care of it. Amen, somebody. So, what's the issue? Why does Goma keep going back to the street? She has a God-fearing, God-serving man who has ignored her past and allowed her in his home. Pastor, every time he's walking on the street holding a hand, men are laughing at him. Because the night before they've been with her. But Hosea is patient. I'm listening to God. I'm listening to God. Every time a child is born, she looks like the hairdresser at the place she gets her hair done. When the next child was born, it looked like the shopkeeper because she was putting herself around. But Hosea kept with her. Why? Why was she doing that? I have two theories. I've already shared the first one. The grass looks green on the other side. Maybe the life he provided was boring. Because you know church guys are boring. You know church girls are boring. Oh, pastor, there's no good men in the church. There's no good women in the church. No, let me tell you what you're looking for. Let me tell you what you're looking for. 
uh, uh, I'm not going to read all the lyrics because some of them are not so PG. Somebody wrote a, a, a performance telling people to lower the expectations. Ladies, this is what you're looking for. You want a guy that's sweet. You want a guy that's tough. You want a feminist, but he likes to pay for stuff. You want the kind of guy that gets along with your friends, but is not attracted to them. You want a good boy. You want a bad boy. You want a good bad boy. You want a half good, half bad boy. You don't know what you want. Ladies, it's not only you. To the men, you want a girl that's nice. You want a girl that's not. You, you are obsessed with the looks, but is insanely hot. The kind of girl you can show to your folks loves the movies that you like and always laughs at your jokes. A real girl, a hot girl, a really hot girl, a brand new, really, really hot doll. I don't know why you called it doll. That was weird, right? So we always want something that doesn't exist. But here's what I've noticed. In your 20s, you have a long list. She or he must look a certain way. But when you get to your 30s, the list gets shorter and shorter. And by the time, all you're asking is, does he have a job? I'm good. What happened with this woman? What, what, what is it? There are four kinds of people in any relationship. You have somebody, you're in a relationship, they don't value you. They don't see what you bring. They insult you about your weight. They insult you about your looks. They compare you. They don't provide for you. They don't take care of you. They don't value you. But we know that this is not her because she was valued. She was married to a good man. Then you got people, you don't value them. You don't treat them the way you should. And so they wander outside the relationship. You're not taking care of their needs. You're not taking care of their emotional needs. Or you pay the bills. You buy them nice stuff, but you're not emotionally there. You don't value them. Maybe they don't value themselves. Some people are married to somebody who doesn't value themselves. It doesn't matter what you do. You can spend every single weekend with her, but just pick one weekend to go play golf with your friends and she complains. You don't love me. They don't value themselves. Or maybe you don't value yourself. Which one? Which one are you? What are you struggling with right now that is making your relationship toxic? Are the problems real or are they here? What I know, based on the analogy that God is showing us in the text, this woman was not satisfied with what her husband was giving her because that's what Israel was doing to God. They were not content with what they had. And so they wanted to worship the other gods. And so God said, fine, go do what you want. But he said to go to Hosea, you stick around. Finally, the names of Hosea and Goma are very interesting because it sounds as if I've been dumping on Goma, but not really. Because this story happens to have a good ending. Hosea's name means helper. The Lord saves salvation. Maybe that's why God came to him. Maybe that's why God chose him. Because God knew he would be up to the task. But what surprised me was not Hosea's name, it was Goma's name. I thought her name meant something negative. But actually her name means perfection, complete, enough. This tells me that this woman had a rough upbringing. She had people around her that didn't value her, so she stopped valuing herself. She stopped appreciating when people complimented her and were positive. 
She couldn't understand how is this man putting up with me? And the Bible says she left him. She left him and went back to the street. But remember, her name still means perfection. That means that what God sees is not what we see. The church judged Goma for her lifestyle, but God said, I can see what you can become. Ladies and gentlemen, when you look at your spouse right now, I don't care what drama you're dealing with. Do you see them for what they can become or do you see them as they used to be? Are you bringing up the stuff he did 10 years ago? You're fighting about the sink, but you're talking about what he did 10 years ago. Somebody said that uh, women's, women are not hysterical, they're historical. Nope, okay. Goma had a beautiful name, but she was doing ugly things. She goes back to the street, but notice she doesn't go with the children because Hosea has to take care of the children. I'm coming for the parents now. It's not just about marriage, it's also about parenting. Some of you, your kids have turned out okay, not because you took care of them, but because God took care of them. You made some really bad choices and you are still making some bad choices and you think your kid is in church because of you. Oh no, they're here because they love Jesus. They know they can get from God what they can get from you. Hosea took care of those three kids like they were his own. And God will take care of you like you are his own. There's a spouse who still manages to smile in the midst of a storm. It's not you. It's not those things you're buying for her. It's because of Jesus. Her real husband has put that smile on her face, not you. Hosea chapter 3 verse 1 to 3. When Gomer leaves home, Hosea's heartbroken. He has decided, I'm done. I can't take this anymore. There's so much a man can handle. But God says, oh no, we're not done preaching that living sermon yet. He tells him, go and love your wife again. Go and love your wife again. Go and love your husband again. Go and love your parents again. I know they messed up. I know they didn't live up to what they were teaching you. But go and love them again. Parents, your kids haven't turned out to be what you wanted, but God says, go and love them again. He's not the man that he promised to be. He's probably not even here with you right now. Or he's here, but he's not real. Love him anyway. She's not the person she promised to be, but God says, love them anyway. Pastor, who are you to tell us? You haven't been married long enough. I'm not saying it. God is saying it. Love them again. And so, I, I love chapter 3 because it's, it's, from, it's from Hosea's perspective. And he says, so I brought her back. And then I said to her, this is some counseling stuff for you who are married. And so I said to her, during this time, you will not have sexual relations with anyone. It's, it's so sad that he has to tell her that, by the way. You will not sleep with anyone else, not even me. Why? Why is Hosea putting his wife on a timeout? Is this a sexual disease thing? Is, it, is she getting tested? No. Love takes time to grow. You and me, we're not God. So I tell people, oh, pastor, she says she forgave me, but how come she keeps bringing it up? Yeah, because she's still healing. That's why she's bringing it up. It's not over for her. Just because you opened your big mouth and said, baby, I'm sorry, here's a ring, here are roses, that doesn't fix it. You're going to have to sleep on the couch for a little bit. He's going to have to cut you off a little bit. But when you do things God's way, love grows. It becomes sacrificial again. The bride, 
the groom comes back into your life and all of a sudden you find yourselves holding hands at home where nobody can see you. All of a sudden, you're not on opposite sides of the bed. Now you're meeting, meeting in the middle of that expensive bed and you're cuddling up and you're the spoon and she's the whatever you guys call it. I, I, I like my space. I don't like being crowded. If Hosea could love again, surely you can also. Amen, somebody. I, I know you're rough. And you're like, dude, that's not practical. It's done. It's over. No, it's not. Verse number 10. And yet... You got to appreciate the scriptures because whenever God uses the word but and yet after something negative, you know something good is coming. And yet the time will come when Israel's people will, will, will be like the sands of the seashore, too many to count. Then at that place, at that place where they were told it will be said you are the children of the living God. At that place they were told you are not God's people. But I want you to go back to the same place so that God can claim you again. That's the original. Let's talk about you. Remember how it was when you started? Remember how the relationship was before the kids came on? Right? My, my, I've been married. Uh, let me get this right. Oh, Lord, help me. Why did I bring it up? This is our seventh year. This is our seventh year. And my son is four years old. Until last week, my son was sleeping on our bed. But he got an eviction notice. And the past couple of days have been amazing. It felt as if it was before he came into the scene. I love my son, by the way. But I also love my space of the bed. So God is saying, go, go back to the place where it used to work or go back to the place it fell apart. Go back to Jezreel. Understand where did we go wrong. Obviously, the problem is not the toothpaste. Obviously, the problem is not the, whether the tissue is like this or like that. That's not the problem. Something happened. Let's deal with it. And so God says, go back to Jezreel. And when you get there, I want you to call your brother Ami. And I want you to call your sister Ruhama. Does anybody notice something different about the name? Go back. Go back. Get rid of the low and go high. That, that, that's all the marriage counseling you need. Go back. Stop pushing forward with your stubbornness. Stop holding on to the person you used to be. Go back. Get rid of the low. The insults, the gossip, the, all the stuff that messed up the relationship. Get rid of the low. And then go high. Don't get high. Go high. Go to God. As a couple. Lord, I can't stand her. Lord, he smells, but I love him. Go back. I'm done. The musicians can come. Like I said before, I don't stand here because I've got all the answers or I know better than you. But I know what you know. I know what you know. There are too many lows in our life. Work's falling apart. Relationship is falling apart. Health is falling apart. Kids are falling apart. The nation is falling apart. There's so much chaos in the world. But the one thing you can control is the temperature of your house. You have power over that. So don't listen to me. I got nothing to say to you. But listen to God. Go back. Get rid of the low. And then go high. Heads bowed. Eyes closed. Heads bowed. Eyes closed. Dear God,
I don't think anybody watching or present in this room is married to a Goma type of a person. But there's a little bit of Goma in all of us. There's a little bit of rebelliousness, selfishness, low self-esteem, pride, the need to get attention from the wrong people. There's, there's a little bit of her in all of us. But at the same time, because of the love of Jesus that I believe all of us are chasing after, we all have a little bit of Hosea in us. So I'm praying for any couple that is seated in here right now. I'm praying for the couples that are watching and that are going to watch. I'm even praying for my own relationship. That we may have the type of love that Hosea was called upon to have. We may have the kind of love that says, this is about us and not about me. In fact, forget us, this is about God. As believers in Jesus Christ, we are here to exemplify his love to the world. And so if the neighbors can see the love of God in our relationship, we'll do our best as a couple. Oh, we're different. We don't like the same stuff, but we love the same God. We struggle to figure out how to raise our kids, but we love God. We don't like the same type of worship, but we love God. We don't like the same type of a preacher, but we love God. Because as long as we go high, we will know how to deal with the lows. And so this morning, this moment, I pray for somebody that they will see themselves in the context of what God has called them to be. To be an example of Christ to their children, to their partner, to the church, to the firm, to the school, to the neighborhood, to the stranger. Father, I pray that whatever healing somebody needs, let them go back to the God who can make it happen. Now I pray, be above us to watch over us. Be beneath us to lift us up when we fall. May you walk ahead of us to guide us in the way. May you walk behind us that we would never go astray. May you surround these marriages, these relationships to protect them every day. But above all things, be in our hearts so that we can have the love of God every single day. This is my prayer. If it is your prayer, let me hear you say amen. And amen. God bless you.